Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Sports Virus Podcast. Welcome to the Sports Virus Podcast, everybody. I'm Joe Castellano along with Ray Woodson, and we're brought to you by Kane's Tire in San Rafael, where they've had the lowest prices in Marin County for over 60 years. Well, Ray, the Super Bowl is complete. It was quite a game. It was so disappointing for 49ers fans. I mean, that game really could have gone either way. Give credit to the Chiefs and the Patrick Mahomes for that game-winning drive. Uh, A lot to talk about the game. We've had about a week here, a little less than a week to digest it, but just your uh, initial thoughts, you know, in watching that intense Super Bowl in Las Vegas. It really was an intense game. You could tell me better since you were there, but, you know, a lot of these games, uh, people are looking at their phones, they're chatting, they're having beers, whatever. Uh, it seemed to me that this one had the attention of the, the fans who were at the stadium a little bit more, that they were kind of leaning in, uh, especially later in the game. What did you see? Yeah, you know, I was in a television truck and, you know, concentrating on statistics and records and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I, I guess, the, you know, the best part of it for us with CBS and the stats crew was, was getting some good notes in. I mean, especially seeing yeah. the, you know, the, the field goal record right away. And, and it was interesting because you had a kicker in Jake Moody, who's, you know, setting a, a record, which eventually was broken. I mean, he had two kickers breaking records, but Moody ends up being, you know, where you thought maybe he'd be a hero ends up being sort of a goat because of that blocked extra point. So, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at stats, but there's the emotion of the game. And, and that's just one of many emotions that everybody was feeling because if you had one of those things, Ray, one of those things that didn't go the 49ers way, like, you know, the, the fumble by McCaffrey or the muff on the punt or that PAT, any of those things go differently than the 49ers win the Super Bowl. Yeah, there were some freak occurrences in this game that, that definitely went against the 49ers. Uh, it's still, whatever way it happened, it goes down as maybe the most crushing defeat in the team's history. And I go back to the Pete McCulley days. So (laughs) I've seen some some bad defeats with these 49ers. And of course there are some playoff crushers that we all know about. We could talk about, but you know, this was the Super Bowl. They lost to the Ravens, but you know, they had a chance to win at the end. It was a great comeback. You had the power outage in that game. Uh, Then you had the, the blowing the 10 point, lead in the fourth quarter that was pretty rough but here they got into overtime and they got the lead and they had chances and there were just these strange occurrences i think you know the muff punt that was just a freaky play and you know the 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 minute the chiefs recovered i said to my friend well they're going to score on the next play i mean that's that's what mahomes does Uh, you know give him the opportunity and he's going to take it to you uh but by and large i think that this uh this loss is going to go down as uh, one of the toughest, if not the toughest. Uh, and, it, and it sounds like it from the players, just looking at how they reacted to it, uh, it's going to leave a mark for a long time. It will. And, uh, you know, one of the most exciting plays I thought in that game, and, you, you know, you talk about statistics, this was a good one. It, it was the second time 
that a player ever had a passing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. And I'm talking about Juwan Jennings. And his passing touchdown was pretty darn exciting because, I mean, you're throwing the ball to one side of the field. You're throwing back to the other side of the field with a wide receiver. Who knew that he could throw that well? And I thought Jim Jim Nance had a great nugget about him throwing a Hail Mary pass in college. Like, I mean, who knew that? Uh, that was really exciting. One of the most exciting moments, really, in, in Super Bowl history to see that happen. And Nick Foles was the other player that had a passing and a receiving touchdown in the yeah. same Super Bowl. Yeah, if uh, the 49ers had won, I think Jennings would have been the MVP. He had a great game and made so many clutch catches and, of course, caught a touchdown, like, like you mentioned. Uh, he did play quarterback in high school. So, uh, you know, there, there, there was a little bit of an experience there. But, you know, you're going to trust a guy who played quarterback in high school to make a throw like that in the Super Bowl. That's going deep into the playbook. You give Shanahan credit for that. You give Shanahan credit for going it, uh, for it on fourth down and getting the uh, completion to Kittle uh, for a pretty aggressive call uh, that led to uh, the Jennings uh, touchdown reception. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's, there's going to be a whole lot of criticism of Shanahan, but if you're going to do that, also give him credit for some of the calls he made that got him in position to win. And, you know, it's not his fault that the extra point was blocked. Uh, that was certainly a huge play in the game. You know, maybe if that, that extra point was good, what happens is Mahomes and the Chiefs go for it uh, twice at the end of regulation. And, you know, you give Mahomes two more chances, you're, you're, you're playing with fire there, too. It might have turned out differently as well. But, you know, the, 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 that and the, the muff punt, you can't blame Shanahan necessarily for that. I mean, we can talk about some other things where people are second-guessing him. Yes, it's, it's odd that uh, some of the players weren't clued in on what the new overtime rules were. Would it have affected how they approached the game or how they played? I don't know. Uh, it was uh, it, it was six of one, half a dozen of another to me. Uh, the, the the other thing I guess you could second guess is choosing to take the ball after uh, you win the toss in overtime, and I've I've heard a lot of criticism about that. I'm not so quick to criticize him for that because uh, you know in in that situation you want to be in the place where you can get the ball third. You score a touchdown, you force the Chiefs to score a touchdown. Well, okay, but you still have a chance to answer with a field goal to win the game. And, and the, the analytics on that aren't – there's not a whole lot of data on that because we haven't done this before, right? So uh, I think people were just too quick to uh, criticize Shanahan because he's lost before in the Super Bowl. I think, you know, the, in that game was it Shanahan's fault that Jimmy Garoppolo missed uh, an open Emmanuel Sanders for a touchdown. You know, yeah, he blew the 28-3 lead, and then he they, they lost the 10-point lead in the fourth quarter of the previous Super Bowl. So there's that track record that people jump on. And, they, you know, th- this is the terminology I don't like, they, that they blew a 10-point lead in this Super Bowl. They didn't blow a 10-point lead. It was the second quarter. It was 10 to nothing. There was plenty of time. If you're up 10 to nothing in a game of the first half, especially against the team of the caliber of the Chiefs, you didn't blow the game. That's, <laughs> no. that's, that's just stupid. I mean, and broad brush here. The Chiefs came into the game with a better defense. They came into the game with a better special team. They came into this game with the best player on the field and possibly the best player in football in Patrick Mahomes, and they're the defending champions, and he's done this before in the clutch. Pretty hard to keep that guy down. Pretty hard to keep Andy Reid down. So, uh, yeah, I, I think 
all in all, it, it's it's a stunner in some ways. It's it's a crushing loss for sure. Uh, they, you felt like you had him this time. I, I, I think about the late Dennis Green. You know, they let him off the hook. So crown him, crown him again. Uh, <laughs> and and having said everything I said intellectually, I know that it's not a shock that the Chiefs were able to pull this game out. Not at all. But it doesn't make it hurt less. No, I mean, and because of Mahomes on the other side, I think a lot of people were saying, okay, you don't want to take the ball first in overtime because you want to see what they do first. If they score a touchdown, then you have to score a touchdown. Maybe you go for a two-point conversion. But I completely disagree with that, Ray. I would have taken the ball first for two reasons. One is I agree with what Shanahan was saying about the third possession because if both teams score, let's say, a touchdown – you can win. Yeah. You can win with that third possession. So to me, that makes sense. But even equally uh, making the same amount of sense is the fact that the defense was on the field for a long stretch of time there. They were yeah. exhausted. And I don't want my defense going back out there right away. So I thought he made the right call. Yeah, and, and as always, and I say this in baseball, when I talk about managers and their use of pitchers and fans always second guessing that is that the, the manager or the coach may have some information you don't have. And so he knew exactly what state the defense was in at that point. In the end, it, you know, I guess it didn't matter because Mahomes just ran it down the field and got the win in the overtime, which, by the way, he, he's capable of doing against any defense at any time, no matter what. But, uh, you know, all things being equal, you want to give your defense a chance to rest if you're already asking them to play an extra period and maybe even more after that, because again, people I think weren't really aware of the overtime rules and how this, this game just goes on until, well, you score twice and then it's sudden death. But you know, as far as time expires, you can go to another quarter, right? Right. And a lot of people weren't aware of that. Yeah. So, so you may be out there for a good long time with your defense as far as you know, so you better give them a rest while you have a chance to do so. Now, again, the, the analytics, there's not a great deal of data on this, but it sounds like you know you, he would have been justified. And I, I guess uh, Travis Kelsey was laughing about it with his brother on the podcast that the referee was trying to convince Fred Warner in, in, in a certain way by saying, are you sure? Right. Are, you, are you sure you want to take the ball first? And they would have been justified in doing that, and there would have been good reasons to do it that way. But I also think, as we just mentioned, there are good reasons to do it the other way. So to me... It was pretty much a toss-up, and uh, you know there 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 are Monday morning or Sunday night quarterbacks when it comes to this game, and I get it. Uh, I I guess the only other thing I would have said is I I would have liked to see McCaffrey get the ball a little more often in the third quarter when they had three three and outs. I guess Shanahan felt like Purdy was doing a good job picking apart the uh, defense of the Chiefs, the secondary, and Steve Spagnuolo said the same thing. And, and he had to make some adjustments in his game plan. And, you know, knowing that and knowing Spagnuolo would make adjustments, you, you may want to try to zig when they think you're going to zag and get the ball to McCaffrey, who was running fairly effectively, and, and you know, try to, try to keep it and, and tire out the defense that way. Didn't work out that way. Three, three and outs. And, you know, fortunately for the 49ers at that point, the Chiefs weren't doing much either. True. Uh, well, there's this whole narrative about Shanahan – not being able to win the big one. I mean, as an offensive coordinator with the Falcons, they had that big lead, and and 
you know, that was a blown lead against the Patriots. And then, you know, losing to the Chiefs the first time, now losing again. And before I get your thoughts on it, Ray, let's listen to what Steve Young had to say. He was on the Steve Young show on KMBR with Tom Tolbert and talking about that whole narrative of Shanahan not being able to win the big one. But until you do it, it's the easy narrative. Oh, you haven't done it. Well, really, bro? I, uh, Poindexter, <laughs> I didn't know that we haven't done it yet. But you have to own it. When you haven't done it, just own it. I haven't done it. That's it. Bottom line, haven't done it. No mitigating factors, not a thousand things that went wrong. Nothing. No, I haven't done it. And, 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 and just recognize that it makes no sense to try to explain it or try to or defend it or minimize it or anything else. It's like, no, this is the ultimate thing. It's like get, think about Everest, right? It's like, oh, no, I climbed uh, K2. Oh, great. That's not, it's awesome. Have you been to Everest? No. I, I've, been, I've been in base camp, but I've climbed up and the weather came. Well, call me when you put the flag on top. And that's just <laughs> the nature of, that's the nature of life. That's the nature of, of competitive anything with darts. It doesn't matter. You, you got to get to the top of the mountain. And when you haven't been there, it doesn't mean you can't get there. That's a, that's a bad narrative. There's nothing about what they're doing, what the 49ers doing as an organization in the locker room, what Kyle's doing that prevents them from getting there. They just haven't gotten there. If there was something about their, their unwillingness, his unwillingness to go grind it out, to go get there again, then uh, I'd say that there's a problem, but I, I just don't. I don't look at it that way. I look at it like you just got to keep, got to keep climbing, and keep, and and you'll get there. He'll get there some sometime. But there's guys that, and, and in other words, it doesn't matter because it, it defines you anyway. Yeah. Well, you didn't get. You yeah. know, you spent your whole career. You didn't get there. Dan Marino. I saw him recently, and it's like it, he wears it, and it really ah, it's just so frustrating for him, right? Because it's Super Bowl time, and he's like, ah, you know, it's just. You can't, it defines you whether you like it or not. And so that's why it means so much to Kyle to get there and for everybody else. That's Steve Young. He was on KMBR uh, with Tom Tolbert. And boy, I mean, that such a great soundbite, I thought, Ray, because there's a guy who really understands that. Because, you know, for a while there, he wondered if he was ever going to win the Super Bowl as a starting quarterback with the 49ers. There were some tough losses there to the Cowboys, and you have to keep believing in yourself. And you just don't know because you could end up being like Dan Marino, where you don't win it, even though you're great. And with Shanahan, yeah, I mean, I, I think the 49ers have a, a good chance to get back there next year. You don't know, but this whole narrative about him not winning the big one, yeah, I mean, it gets tiresome because he, he has done a great job with San Francisco. I love Steve. Really, bro? I didn't know that. <laughs> right. Thanks for telling me. <laughs> uh, my other favorite quote there is, call me when you plant the flag on top. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> That's the way it is. And yes, Steve knows that. We remember him taking the monkey off his back. Right. So he understands that. And I would remind people that for years, Andy Reid was known as that guy. Okay? He didn't win the Super Bowl with the Eagles. Got knocked out of the playoffs several times with the Chiefs before striking gold with Mahomes. As Bill Belichick struck gold with Tom Brady. That, you know, a, a gem that he didn't know it was a gem at first, really, because Drew Bledsoe got hurt. Okay, and then the tuck rule. Oh, uh, is it too soon? Too soon? If, if Raider fans are listening, <laughs> is it too soon to bring up the tuck rule? <laughs> anyway, um, you know, there there are coaches that will have that narrative until they change the narrative. What you want to do if you're Kyle Shanahan, I think, is stay the course. You've got the defending Super Bowl champions into overtime 
led them in overtime, had a chance to stop them to win the Super Bowl. Okay, so you, you're not right at the summit of Everest, but you're, you're a couple of rocks away. And it's frustrating because you're that close, but still far away. What you want to do is keep giving yourself chances. If, as Steve said, if you just, you know, crawl under a rock when people are saying that and, and give up, well, then, okay, then you never will get another chance. You just keep pounding away, chipping away at it until uh, eventually you get it done. And clearly they're doing a lot of the right things to make themselves Super Bowl champions. They're that close. And again, we talked about it, a couple of freaky plays, you know, a, a block kick, which I guess you could blame the 49ers for drafting Jake Moody in the third round to, to end up having a kick blocked in the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, all right, that's kind of a stretch. Uh, in fact, that's uh, getting on the podium at the Olympics as far as pretzel logic. But I, I think overall, uh, what you do is you just stay the course, keep doing what you're doing. They're going to have, you know, recognize some things you need to change. And one of them is they're going to get another defensive coordinator. And, and I think that's going to be a very big decision for them. Uh, it was this past season. It didn't prevent them from getting the Super Bowl and having a chance to win the damn thing. But I think that there was there is some sort of a disconnect in philosophy there. And uh, they, they sort of, you know, endured it, I guess would be the word this year, to the point that they got to the Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, they listened to the players in the room, and they probably want a guy who's uh, – puts more of an emphasis on the front seven uh, that's not more experienced with the secondary. I don't don't think that would preclude them from getting a guy who has a different philosophy if he's got the chops, if he's got the resume. Uh, I I hear Bill Belichick brought up. I I can't see that happening, but that would be really funny (laughs) if it did. (laughs) Just my my love of chaos, that would be a a tremendous storyline for the next season. But uh, what I'm getting to is is pretty much along the lines of what Steve said. I agree. You, you're going to just have to wear it. The results are there. Kyle knows that. Uh, and, you know, there's going to be a long time here of reflection and what can we do a little bit better. But there's not a whole lot they need to do better. I think their defense dropped off quite a bit in the, in the end of the year in the playoffs. And they actually played pretty well against the Chiefs. So, uh, whatever their problems are, they are not egregious. Uh, I would probably draft uh, somebody from the secondary, somebody to bolster the offensive line or go through a free agency to help out the O-line a little bit more and to help out Brock Purdy, who's been getting passes knocked down and things like that. Uh, I, I do think they've got their quarterback, and he was pretty good in the Super Bowl his first time. And this is a guy who, you know, two years ago, nobody even thought about, Mr. Irrelevant. So, uh, you know, if you want to criticize Shanahan for this or that, also praise him for being able to coach up this quarterback and throw him into the fire and have him excel. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I get it. He's going to Kyle's going to be the guy who can't win the big one, who blows leads, blah, blah, blah. And he's got to change that narrative. And, uh, you know, he's going to remain the coach of the team. And people don't like to hear it, but he's been very successful more successful than a lot of head coaches in this league in the last few years. There's a bunch of them who got fired, all right? So um, he's not that guy. It's just frustrating because of the way they lost, and it was a painful loss. But uh, I I think they just keep chipping away. And I I think if they are able to keep most of that group together with John Lynch as the GM, 
uh, they'll be back. Maybe not next year because I mean this is this is the kind of loss that really really eats at your psyche. But I think they're going to be there again, and it would not shock me at all if they win it again or win it the first time. Yeah. You know, the Brock Purdy situation, too, uh, that narrative still makes me shake my head because I just don't understand why he doesn't get all the credit in the world for being a guy who nobody thought could do this and getting to the Super Bowl and and basically would have won the game or at least had an even better chance to win the game if not for a, a missed assignment there. I mean, Chris Jones is bearing down on him. If he, yeah. he's not coming in untouched, I'm pretty sure he would have thrown a touchdown pass there to either Jennings or Ayuk. If you saw the video of Ayuk was wide open too, because his defender fell down. So if, if Purdy had a little bit of time, I think he would have thrown a touchdown pass there. And then who knows, maybe he's the hero and the, you know, maybe uh, it goes to that third possession and maybe the 49ers win and there's no talk about any of these narratives, but, but I mean, yeah. you know, it is amazing how it can come down to just one play like that. Yeah. What I say about Chris Jones, is the guy that always bothers me with that team. He, he wrecked shop in Super Bowl a few years ago. wasn't quite as dominant this time, but he made some big plays, and that was the biggest one. And Purdy said at post game that he should have thrown the ball to IU, that that he should have been looking in that direction. And uh, had he been doing so, uh, yeah, we'd have a whole different story maybe and, and a whole different narrative. But that's not the way it worked out. Uh, you got to convert there if you want to win a Super Bowl. It didn't happen. So uh, you know, good for Purdy that he said that. He's definitely capable of uh, self-reflection, and uh, that's been one of his strong points. He's, he's a guy who's teachable, and he's learned a lot, a lot in a short period of time. He can process information. Uh, he's pretty accurate, and I, I mean, he was really accurate in the first half of the Super Bowl. wasn't showing any signs of being overwhelmed by the moment. So having said all that, I, I think he, he's, he's got a bright future, and probably for him, some of the development in the offseason might be physically, might be trying to, you know, do some things to, to make himself even more of an athlete that he is. And he's kind of sneaky fast, as we've talked about before. But the rest of it is just learning the game, getting experience. And he's had a mountain of experience in the last couple of years, especially this year, because he was able to finish the season in the postseason. So uh, I think that he's their guy. Uh, I don't know what else he needs to do except for to win the damn Super Bowl, I guess. But you know, other than that, he's checked off all the boxes. Coming up, we'll talk about the Golden State Warriors when the Sports Virus Podcast continues. When it's time for new tires, you want the lowest prices and the best service, don't you? Well, Kane's Tire in San Rafael has you covered on both. Kane's has the lowest prices in Marin County, and they provide the warm and welcoming service that you can only receive from a family-run business. Voted Best of Marin for 35 years in a row, Kane's prices beat Costco's prices every time. Kane's Tire, 1531 4th Street in San Rafael. Give him a call at 415-453-2942. That's 415-453-2942 for Kane's Tire. All right, let's switch gears and talk about the Golden State Warriors. Just a couple of weeks ago when we did our first podcast, uh, really the Warriors were in trouble. Uh, they were way you know below 500. We're, I think we were about six games below 500. Things were not looking very good. And then they've turned it around. I mean, they won five in a row. They still showed off an Achilles heel the other day against the Clippers where they blew a fourth-quarter lead. That is definitely troublesome, but – 
it looks like they're just playing a lot better basketball. And I got to say that, I mean, it looks to me like Andrew Wiggins, who was talked about a lot at the trade deadline, has stepped up his game big time. Uh, Pajemski is looking like a guy who can really affect the outcome of a game because of the way he's all over the place, you know, tipping rebounds and creating second chance opportunities, driving to the basket. And Jonathan Kaminga is really emerging as a star player. Now I think the entire league is noticing that. So I think standing Pat at the trade deadline was a good move. I don't know what you think of that. And also Ray, what do you think about clay coming off the bench? He scores a a season high 35 coming off the bench for the first time since he was a rookie. Well, if the goal was to light a fire under him, sure works. <laughs> uh, you know, it's 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 funny how that works on a player mentally. Uh, some guys aren't going to handle it very well. Here's a guy who started 700 plus games. Uh, he was a splash brother, actually, when Steph Curry went down with an injury his first season when he was starting, and then the next year they became the Splash Brothers. He's been there a long, long, long time. He's got a lot of pride. How's the player going to handle something like that? At the same time, I understand why they did it. He's been so inconsistent. Uh, but is this going to continue this way? We'll find out after the All-Star break. It certainly worked for one night. Uh, he handled it like a champ. You know, he said post game, you can either pout about it or you can either respond. And he understands that he's still going to get a lot of minutes. And if he's, he's playing well, he's going to be there in the final minutes of the game. He made a big mistake on a foul at the end of the Clippers game, by the way, uh, Maybe, yeah. yeah, may or may not have cost them a chance. I don't know. The Clippers might have still won, but it's not a foul you want to make. No, uh, you saw Kerr holding his head in his hands. It was uh, <laughs> surprising for a veteran like Clay to do that. But uh, beyond that, he's just been inconsistent. I mean, he doesn't have his legs under him, and for a shooter, you, you you can't have that happen and be consistent. And at his age and with the injury history it has, it's going to be tough to be that guy every single night. But you know, this is, a, I think, a, a way to give him a new perspective on things, and, and he handled it beautifully. They almost blew the fourth quarter lead against uh, Utah last night. So fourth quarters are still a big concern here. But overall, yeah, they've been playing much better. We mentioned it last week. Um, you know, Draymond coming back has really helped the defense most of the time. They gave up 137 last, last night, and they gave up 40-something in the last quarter against the Clippers. But uh, I think him being the traffic cop on defense and on offense, it's also allowed Kaminga and Wiggins to play together, and their level of play has gone up. Uh, so uh, all that is great. Uh, I guess Kaminga has faith in Steve Kerr now because he's, he's starting and he's getting plenty of minutes. And that starting unit, uh, and when you throw in Pajemski with that group, uh, they've got a tremendous plus-minus in a short period of time. Steve Kerr mentioned it last night. So – I don't know where this is all going, Joe, because they're still in 10th place. It's not an enviable position to be, but they've at least climbed up to that point. All I know is it's going in the right direction. I do think this break is good for them because you've got a core of veteran players. Maybe you get Chris Paul back on the other side. Uh, and so maybe some of the problems they have in the fourth quarter will, will dissipate a little bit. But beyond that, uh, this has looked more like the Warriors team we know than at any time this season. Um, maybe it, it's going to lead them jumping a few spots and, and making a run of the playoffs. I think that's the most you could expect at this point, but I think that's better than what you could have expected a couple of weeks ago. I think attitude has a lot to do with what's going on too, because I mean, think about it. Clay Thompson could make waves with going to the bench, but instead 
he scores 35, like I said, and he said that he thought of Ginobili because Ginobili was a great yeah. bench player. So that was cool, I mean, to, to hear him say that. Uh, I think with Wiggins, it's attitude. I mean, he just didn't seem like he wanted to be there. Now he does. He's, he's getting rebounds. He's hustling after loose balls. He's shooting better. I mean, it just all seems to be coming together. And, and even with Kaminga, I mean, he, seemed, he wanted out. He, he, he didn't yeah. want to be a warrior because it looked like he wasn't going to play that much. Now the guy's been so consistent. Uh, so it just seems like, to me, attitude has been huge. I mean, Curry has been the same guy all along, and he's, he's been on fire lately. He, he had, what, I think it was four games in a row where he had at least seven threes, the first NBA player ever to do that. Uh, so he's kind of the steadying force. Uh, and even Draymond. Draymond seems to have maybe learned a little bit of a lesson. He's not yelling at the officials quite as much or at least as intensely as he was. Maybe he learned something from that suspension. So, I mean, I just seem, it seems to me like a lot of things have come together in a positive way lately. Yeah, uh, Draymond's yelling at other players, but he's not, <laughs> right. not, not of the referees. That Clippers game, right? just cracked me up. But, you know, he's trying to chant. He's trying to channel that energy, so I, and you, I think we've all noticed it. You know, uh, that when you win, obviously the mood improves too. Uh, the other thing is, Steph, the good thing right now is he doesn't have to be that guy who scores 50 or 60 to, to keep them in, in a game or win a game. They're, he's starting to get some help now, which he desperately needed. Uh, I think that you know having Kaminga in the starting line, lineup and doing what he does is like acquiring an extra player. Uh, having Wiggins get back closer to the form of a couple of years ago is like acquiring an extra player. And frankly, uh, there wasn't a deal out there for them that was going to make them that much better. Not the way Wiggins was playing, not the fact that they, they were reluctant to give up Kaminga. Uh, and if they were going to give up Kaminga and maybe package him with a veteran player and a draft pick, they were going to want something big in return. And other teams just weren't willing to give that. I guess they could have swung a deal from Le- for LeBron, from what, I, from <laughs> right. what I'm hearing. Right. Uh, although, although the Lakers kind of nicked that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's uh, all I could think about was clutch sports, right? That's the agency that represents LeBron and Draymond and, and their buddies. And, <laughs> and Steph and LeBron are foes, but there's a lot of mutual respect there. But I, I guess we'll have to wait for LeBron. Uh, anyway, I, I think there just wasn't a deal to be made out there. Uh, so... Uh, just try to tweak and work with the group you have and they've made some improvements. So that's to the credit of coaching staff. I think Uh, maybe it should have happened sooner. I think Kerr admitted that uh, he kind of sat on Kaminga's minutes for a little too long. And I didn't think they, they, they recognized they had a developing player, but I don't know if the trust was there that he was that guy that we're seeing now. Well, he's that guy. He's, he's shown it. Uh, I think beyond a reasonable doubt. What was it? Eight straight twenty-point games, something like that. Something like so, that, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's the good development here. You have a level of comfort and trust going into the second half that you can get some offense from Kaminga. You can get some offense, and you can get some defense from from Wiggins, and he can make two-way wigs again. Maybe not quite to the level he was, but he's getting there. So if he gets closer to that guy from a couple of years ago, that's that's a plus as well. Getting Gary Payton back certainly helps, and, and getting Chris Paul back will certainly help. Uh, they're they're going to be healthier and more rested than at any time uh, this year, except for the start of the year, I guess, when they come out of the All-Star break. You know, the thing is, you'll, you'll notice this with a lot of teams. Uh, there are going to be some teams there that check out mentally a little bit 
uh, going into and out of the all-star break. And one area you see where that suffers is defense in particular. And I think the Warriors were, you know, at the point where the little fatigue to be able to put up the kind of defense that they want to, the kind of defense actually they were playing for a few games there. They were, they were much improved in that category. So I would hope what we see out of them is in the second half is, is renewed vigor, while some teams are about ready to check out for the season. I worried that the Warriors were going to be one of those teams. Now they're much more invested, much more involved, because they do at least have a playing spot. And I think, what are they, three or four games out in the loss column for the sixth playoff spot? So it's still a bit of a climb and not a whole lot of time left, but not insurmountable, especially if they keep winning seven out of eight. Yeah, I mean, if they keep playing good basketball, and it just seems like the chemistry is much better. And I got to say, I, I had not listened to a Draymond Green podcast until I just happened to download the one that he had Chris Paul on, and I highly recommend it. It was okay. great because there are two guys that did not like each other at all, and then, oh, no. now, and now they're teammates, and they get along great. And it was just it was fascinating to hear them talk about it. Uh, and, and I, you know, I think that that marriage has, has worked out pretty well. Now, we'll see if if Chris Paul can contribute, you know, after the all-star break coming back from the hand injury and everything. But uh, it is it is amazing, you know, to think about how important it is to have, you know, the good chemistry guys that can really get in sync with each other. Yeah, that was one I really wondered about you know, when <laughs> they threw Chris Paul into this mix. But, you know, part of it also is that Paul hasn't been playing much lately. So, uh, you know, yeah. when you're not playing, you're, you're not giving your teammate a reason to either criticize you or complain about this or that. Uh, at the same time, he hasn't done a whole lot to, to earn praise except for to be a cheerleader. And, of course, Chris Paul has been that. He's a veteran. He, he knows what he needs to do in these situations. Um, they're both future Hall of Famers. And, yes, and I do think Draymond will be in the Hall of Fame. Because, you know, they, the Basketball Hall of Fame looks at your NBA and your college and your Olympics and your international play. And, I mean, he's got a, a pretty stout resume. So I, I think that there's some mutual respect there, even when they were fiery competitors. And, you know, listen, Chris Paul will get under your skin. He'll get under the skin of every opponent. <laughs> right. He's, he, every little trick he, he tries. And a lot of it's annoying, annoying as hell. And some of it's uh, dirty. I, I'll go out and say that he's on the Warriors, and and the point is, if you're a fan and he does some tricky thing that the, the refs miss, that gets your team an advantage, you love him. It's the same thing with Draymond. The stuff he does, uh, you love it when he's with your team and he's helping you win, and your opponents hate you. So <laughs> right. you know now they're, they're looking at Chris Paul from the other side, and that happens a lot in sports. But I would I would like to see Paul come back and make a contribution, and I think he will. What I think is really stood out to me this year, Joe, is the players, the great players who are at advanced age now, who are still great. And Steph is right there. He's going to be 36 next month. He's still Steph, right? It, I wouldn't have seen that coming, but he, he's uh, had no drop-off. No. LeBron James, LeBron James at 39, very little drop-off. So, or is he 38? I forget. One, one or the other. But he's, he's He's at an age where a lot of players are done, long since done in this game. I mean, the, the last guy I can think of who was really effective near 40, I guess you could say Michael Jordan, he was still putting up 20 a game. Uh, Kareem was winning championships at age 38, 39, and I think at 40 as well. He wasn't you know, the dominant player, but he was still a contributing player. But here you have two guys 
who are right near the top of their game. And that's going to be a compelling storyline down the stretch. Are they going to be able to withstand the wear and tear to be the same guy if they make it to the postseason? But you know what? Uh, it's, it's been a very fun NBA season. I have to say, Joe, I've watched more NBA games this year than I ever have, and I used to watch the Warriors all the time. I, di- I didn't have a lot of time to watch the other teams, but, you know, being retired and being a bum, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I get to watch a few more games. And, and, you know, the product is great right now. No, there's not a whole lot of defense being played. Or you could just say the players are at a higher level than they've ever been as far as offensive skills. And, you know, some of the rules don't allow that. Uh, Steve Kerr mentioned it, that they've legislated some of the defense out of this game. They're still very capable defensive players in this game. I just think one through 15 on the roster now, you have more guys who can drain a, a logo three, who can Euro step, who can, who can lob dunk, uh, just have offensive weapons uh, and, and an arsenal that doesn't even uh, approach or doesn't even compare, I should say, to players in the 90s. Not even in the 90s. No, so, I, it's funny you say that. I was thinking that, and the Clippers and the Jazz both were hitting threes that I just couldn't believe it. I mean, they're hitting yeah. threes all over the place. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You know what happens too, of course, with everybody able to hit threes is that the area that you have to defend on the court is larger than ever, and people wonder, well, you know, is, is, are we going to have to widen the court? Are we have to widen the lane because the players are getting so big and tall and athletic. Well, they're just they're draining threes now, so that's that's actually creating more space. This is kind of the revolution we've seen in the game in the last decade or so. And Steph Curry and the Warriors were a very big part of it. But the area you have to defend now is much bigger. And so what you see is a lot of runouts, a lot of uh, extra passes, and somebody's open. And all these guys can hit threes. So it makes it hard to stop a team from scoring 130, 140 points a night. But it's fun as hell to watch anyway. It is. Well, I uh, look forward to talking more about the NBA here in a couple of weeks. And we got spring training getting underway. So there'll be that to talk about. Uh, and then March Madness is coming our way pretty soon. So lots to talk about coming up in the sports world. Thanks a lot. Uh, appreciate it. And we will talk soon. Enjoyed it as always, Joe. That's Ray Whitson. We'll check in again in a couple of weeks on the Sports Virus Podcast. For now, I'm Joe Castellano. Thanks for listening on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.